0: integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Welcome back everyone to the be perfectly healthy podcast i'm your host leanne lindsay and today we have a new practitioner on the show dr alexa henderson and she shares with us a little bit about her background how she came to be at the center for new medicine and some of the specialties that she focuses on here at the center and then we pivot more into today's topic on hashimoto's what is hashimoto's what are some of the root causes testing, and then how we can go about actually reversing this through lifestyle changes, nutrition, supplementation, and more. So with that, please enjoy this interview with Dr. Henderson. Well, welcome Dr. Henderson to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. We are so excited, first of all, to have you at the center. We can't wait for the patients, for the listeners to get to know you better. And with that said, as it's your first time on the show, the tradition is that the practitioner always gives a little bit about their background, how you came to be in the medical field and particularly in the integrative medical field. So take it away.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I've been in the medical field for a very long time, since I was 20 years old, actually. I started off as a critical care nurse and worked in acute care for a number of years as an RN prior to going to medical school, um, at which point I completed an internal medicine residency and became a hospitalist. So I was in the hospital for many, many years taking care of very sick um, patients and doing a lot of chronic disease management. So I became very interested in the other side of medicine, more of the functional side, where I could actually prevent disease instead of treating um, at very, very end stages. I had my own practice in Napa for a couple of years prior to coming to Center for New
0: Medicine. Mm-hmm. And then here at the center specifically, what are some of the key areas you focus on or you're, you're hoping to focus on? Yeah.
1: So I'm doing a lot of um, bioidentical hormone, um, thyroid and adrenal. Um, I often find that the three are very intimately connected, adrenal dysfunction, thyroid and hormones. Um, so I focus a lot on that in addition to a lot of detox protocols um, to balance the GI tract. Um, and also I'm working very closely with the cancer patients.
0: That is so fantastic. And like I said before, I'm sure we're gonna have you on for many other episodes on different topics. But again, just welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And so today's topic, we are diving into Hashimoto's. Yes. So to start it off, just so we always kind of lay the foundation, can you give us just a definition of what is Hashimoto's?
1: Yeah. So Hashimoto's thyroiditis is an actually an autoimmune disorder. Um, so it's a form of thyroid abnormality in which the body's antibodies um, form antibodies specifically against their own thyroid gland. Um, um, and their thyroid peroxidase antibodies. So Hashimoto's is actually an autoimmune disease that results in hypothyroidism, but its primary roots are in auto, auto autoimmune dysfunction.
0: Mm-hmm. So, generally speaking, can you give us some statistics or some numbers? How many people have Hashimoto's? Because it seems like. Many people have hypothyroidism or thyroid disorders of a certain kind, but in mm-hmm. general, do we have some numbers on Hashimoto's?
1: Well, I don't have the exact number, but it is extremely common. I will say that probably up to 60 to 70% of, of menopausal, perimenopausal women develop hypothyroidism. And I'd say out of those numbers, probably about 40 to 50% actually have Hashimoto's as the underlying root cause of their hypothyroidism. Mm.
0: Okay, so we are going to have to dive into that a little bit, but let's start with symptoms. Symptoms of Hashimoto's. And then I think it would be helpful to distinguish, just in case anyone needs to, between Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism.
1: Right, absolutely. And so it's actually really hard to distinguish between the two of them. Oftentimes, um, women that have signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism, they have cold intolerance, they're freezing all the time, um, losing hair, um, lots of fatigue, sometimes lots of lower leg swelling, um, we'll see. And so what happens is, is when someone is diagnosed with hypothyroidism, we look at a certain set of labs to identify that the thyroid is under functioning. Um, w- with that being said, the way that we find Hashimoto's is through measuring the autoantibodies to see if a patient actually has the autoantibodies. So it's actually clinically very hard to differentiate the two. Mm-hmm. Um, although I will say there's a high correlation with women or, or men, but primarily women who have other autoimmune diseases and Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. So if I have an autoimmune patient that has any kind of autoimmune disease with signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism, there's a very good chance that they'll they'll have Hashimoto's.
0: Mm-hmm. And Hashimoto's is usually the main cause of hypothyroidism.
1: Correct. In these particular patients, it is, you know, hypothyroidism is obviously a very broad diagnosis with multiple causes um, and and primarily driven by the hormone adrenal imbalance. Um, But in these particular patients, yes, they have autoantibodies and that is what's causing Mm -hmm. their
0: hypothyroidism. So I'm curious, have you had Hashimoto's patients who did not have hypothyroidism? Have you ever seen that?
1: Yes, I have. Interestingly, um, it's usually very early on in okay. their in their course because oftentimes hypothyroidism develops a little bit later mm. in in you know thirties, forties. Mm. It's very atypical for a very young person to have those. But but typically, I have seen younger people with the antibodies that have not developed hypothyroidism okay. yet.
0: So it is, it's one of those things, the earlier you can catch it, the easier it is to hopefully reverse it. Absolutely. Which takes me to the next question, which is, I've heard from so many people, the common narrative around Hashimoto's is very much that it's an autoimmune disease, you're gonna be stuck with it the rest of your life, here's some thyroid medication, have a good life. Right. So, (laughs) from your perspective, is this something what can we do for this? And is it reversible? Can we really say that?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. So I, I think primarily, you know, with any autoimmune disorder, um, what we really want to focus on is is a person's body is attacking itself, and in this particular instance, it's the thyroid gland. Um, but really, the the number one treatment for it is going to be full body detox because you want to remove any trigger that's causing your own body to attack itself, mm-hmm. and in this case, it's the thyroid. So I haven't actually seen the antibodies go away completely with any of the protocols that I've used. Um, But we have seen many, many patients that really improve symptomatically because they don't have the inflammation Mm -hmm. and they don't have the triggers and the antigenic foods and the gut imbalance. The GI tract is very integral, part of treating the disorder properly. So we're able to manage them symptomatically a lot more effectively with less thyroid medication than we would otherwise. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it go away completely To be honest Um, but that may be um, because patients don't always complete all the protocols i i certainly think theoretically it's possible Mm
0: -hmm. okay i love that and i always we do kind of like to compare and contrast conventional versus an integrative approach to this so can you briefly just share for us i i may have briefly just kind of spewed it out but can you briefly share for us what would a conventional doctor do if you came in they tested you for hashimoto's what, what are they saying from there? You've got Hashimoto's, now what?
1: Yeah, so a lot of times they don't actually test for, for Hashimoto's okay. or for the thyroid antibodies in a conventional physician's office. So they will check the TSH and some of the other thyroid levels. And if the TSH is high or higher, higher than it should be, they'll treat a patient for hypothyroidism, usually with levothyroxine, which mm-hmm. is Synthroid, and mm-hmm. that's a synthetic thyroid medication. Um, in the functional medicine world, we do a little bit of a, a more elaborate thyroid panel that includes the thyroid antibodies and includes um, reverse T3 and a number of other um, tests so that we can get a better picture of what's really happening systemically mm-hmm. with the body. Um, so in functional medicine world, um, we're going to want to address those antibodies number one with a detox protocol, you know, either a, a cleanse, balancing the gut. We want to remove the things that are stimulating the body to develop those antibodies. In conjunction with, with thyroid medication, um, there are different kinds. Um, there's the desiccated natural thyroid, nature thyroid, armor thyroid, MP thyroid, a- in comparison with levothyroxine, which is Synthroid. Mm-hmm. Um, but really the focus is getting to the root cause mm-hmm. of why someone has the Hashimoto's and trying to address that systemically instead of just uh, treating the thyroid only mm-hmm. with medication.
0: So let's dive into that a little bit more. What are some of the potential root causes you've mentioned just toxicity in general but Mm -hmm let's touch on some of the areas of toxicity that you've seen patients have and then also what is it about that toxicity that then causes the body to attack itself
1: yeah and those are great questions I think that that you know well there's toxins everywhere mm-hmm. you know there's toxins in our food there's plastics there's the EMFs our phones the Wi-Fi there's so many things so many different toxins that are coming in and hitting us um, people respond differently to toxins and to different foods and to other things in our environment Um, But people that have a predisposition to developing autoantibodies, like I said, there's usually a correlation um, between Hashimoto's and other autoimmune diseases. So we don't know exactly why some people build up antibodies and some people don't. Mm -hmm. Um, We think that it's because they're more sensitive to all of the the various toxins in our environment, technology, and in the world um, that creates kind of an inflammatory cascade Mm -hmm. and results in the production of autoantibodies. is it
0: that the body's starting to attack itself and if we think about this in sort of a logical perspective the body only attacks things that it thinks are dangerous so is it that for example with a thyroid maybe heavy metals are being stored in the thyroid and so the body's trying to attack those or is that completely
1: no that can (laughs) happen as well um with with any kind of heavy metal toxicity um but but you know it's it's our bodies can develop antibodies to external factors Mm -hmm. but in this particular condition our body has developed antibodies to ourselves okay okay and you know, how that starts, I'm sure that it's always initiated by something toxic coming in from the outside world. But then once you start it, you can't stop. Mm-hmm. It's like f- fueling the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's all internal work that has to be done in order to put that flame out.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you have someone come in, let's say you've tested them. You've confirmed they have Hashimoto's. Let's say they have hypothyroidism, too. What then are some of the other tests you're looking at to figure out what type of toxicity do you have going on?
1: Yeah, so you know these patients need a full, a very full laboratory analysis. We do look at heavy metals, viral panels, um, sometimes there are indolent viruses, Epstein-Barr, Lyme, um, things that could be causing that inflammation to, to go on within a, a person's body. Um, we'll look at all kinds of hormones, we'll look at anything else parasites, mold, anything that could be contributing the body to be in an
0: inflammatory state mm-hmm. that may be fueling the, that process. And then I'm really curious your take on nutrition because yeah. I've read a couple books on Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. It seems like the common integrated perspective to the nutrition is for sure to cut out gluten and dairy. Absolutely. Okay. So explain that (laughs) a little bit for us.
1: Yeah. So, so for any patient with any autoimmune, we immediately cut out gluten and dairy because gluten is the most antigenic, meaning pro-inflammatory food and sugar, Mm. um, sugar of any kind. Um, They are the most pro-inflammatory foods that you can possibly eat. And so if you have any kind of autoimmune, but particularly Hashimoto's, we need to cut that immediately out of the diet. Mm -hmm. Gluten, dairy, Um, I would even recommend a full elimination diet, which there are multiple elimination diets on the market, but anything that could cause a body to develop antibodies against itself or be in an inflammatory state, we want to eliminate that. Mm. Um, Even if the patient doesn't have a quote-unquote gluten insensitivity, we know that gluten is irritating and antigenic to the body.
0: Mm -hmm. And then is that something that when they're in sort of a treatment phase, they're going really hard with that diet. And if their numbers get to a certain point, they can integrate some things back in? Yeah. So that's a great question. So the way the elimination diets work is typically,
1: you know, there's all sorts of of antigenic, but you mentioned um, two of them. And then I added in sugar. Um, What happens is usually for about 30 days, patients will avoid all of those foods Mm -hmm. and see how they feel. And and 99% of the time they feel a lot better. Mm -hmm. And then what will happen after that is they'll start to reintegrate some of those foods back into their diet Um, like say for example ice cream you know Mm -hmm. just making something up Mm -hmm. Um, once you've been off of everything for a certain period of time and your body has cleansed itself normally we would add in one thing at a time Um, I had a patient that actually had gone on a cleanse and then she ate strawberry ice cream and she got really really sick (laughs) so so she knows that she can't do sugar or dairy Mm -hmm.
0: so together. together that's
1: how We approach it, and then we start, start to slowly add in um, the foods that were avoided to see if there's additional sensitivity, and then to know what to avoid in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to other treatments, we're doing so. You know, we've identified here are some of the things going on. Maybe you've got heavy metals. Maybe there's some parasites, some gut health issues going on. But and we've addressed nutritional changes. What about any lifestyle changes? Any particular supplementations that you find can be really impactful for someone with Hashimoto's? Yeah, so
1: selenium is a fantastic supplement. Um, It helps with uh, the breakdown and availability of the actual Mm -hmm. active form of thyroid. Um, So we recommend selenium and actually iodine um, that can come in in little drops. And both of those support the thyroid. Um, And that's on top of other supplements that we use on a more general level for detox and overall health. Um, But the selenium and the iodine are two um, really great supplements that mm. help quite a bit
0: okay and then last question because I know you've got a patient to run off to but lifestyle changes how does is stress a factor here <laughs> that's a great question stress
1: is a factor in everything because when you think about thyroid you know the thyroid is a big energy center of your body and it determines a lot of the metabolic functions and activities and how you produce energy um, so people with low thyroid don't have any energy um, so stress actually is really important because that impacts your energy on a cellular level mm-hmm. um, it impacts your mitochondria it impacts all the cells in your body so stress Stress reduction is going to be a super important thing in treating not only Hashimoto's autoimmune, but any kind of disorder okay. um, in, in all, of, all of
0: medicine internationally. And then you just, I just thought of another question. <laughs> but you were saying how with hypothyroidism, adrenal issues are a big kind of root cause or connected issue going on. Is it the same for Hashimoto's or because Hashimoto's has to do with all that inflammation, Maybe the adrenals don't have so much to do with it? So,
1: the adrenals always have something to do with it because the adrenals, you know, the adrenals pump out cortisol and the stress hormones, Mm -hmm. which kind of gets back to your stress question. And so, you have to achieve adrenal balance in order to properly address any kind of thyroid issue Um, because I I describe it as a, a triangle. You know, the adrenal, thyroid, hormones, they're all connected. So, oftentimes when patients aren't responding to thyroid treatment, you have to look at the adrenals and make sure the adrenals adrenals are balanced which gets back to stress
0: yeah yeah yeah.
1: so it's (laughs) it's
0: all connected it's all connected yeah well thank you so much Dr. Henderson again welcome to the podcast welcome to the center we're so excited to have you here and to have you on the show more
1: thank you so much I'm really happy to be here